1: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Welcome back tribe. This episode is another flashback to our series on Become Your Own Banker book review. This is episode 16 where we break down one of the very kind of big questions of the day is what to do with college, the cost of college. And Nelson in his book so astutely talked about thinking about the cost of college and what sort of alternatives there may be. Is this one of those questions that you've had lately? Do you have kids that are getting closer and closer to that college age and wondering, is there a different way to think about this? How does infinite banking play into this overall subject matter? I think this is one of the greatest episodes that we did on the book. And I want you to join us right now as we dive back into this episode 16 on Nelson's View on College and what alternatives there may be.
0: Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, Don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. All
1: right, Russ. So why do people go to college? What is it that we are looking for when we sign the dotted line say i'm attending xyz college i can tell you the reason
0: i went <laughs> oh gosh <was> to party <laughs> <laughs> this was a little bit of beastie boys action right <laughs> i mean i i wanted out of my hometown montgomery alabama i was ready to cut loose
1: man so you just went like way down the road to auburn
0: well, like technically, minutes. But, well, no, I went further <laughs> than that. My first year, I went to community college. I went, I went to go play baseball, which I really went to spend a year in a physical rehab because my elbow was all jacked up. And, mm. But yes, I, I went all the way to Phoenix City, Alabama, which is another 45 minutes past Montgomery uh, or, or Auburn's exit from Montgomery. <laughs> But yes, I didn't go far, but I, I literally, it was, and I think this is a lot of what Nelson is getting after in this section is he's saying, why do why don't most people feel like they're going to college? Is it really this just next step? Has someone told them that college is a must and that's what you're just going to do? And I, I feel like that. I didn't feel like I was never going to not go to college. That wasn't an option in my head. And, and even sometimes I felt like if you didn't go to college, you must be a dummy. Yeah.
1: And I would say the same thing is that he points out that these students nowadays have been told that they have to go to college. It wasn't like it was their choice. And it, he even mentions that learning itself has not been emphasized, that school is something to be endured. And I actually had that same kind of feeling. Like, I don't know if I maybe I shared this with you at one point. I actually at one when I watched The Fugitive, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The Fugitive the movie Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, the one arm man, you know? Yeah. Well, he was the the doctor was an orthopedic surgeon. Right? And I just remember being like enamored with the idea that somebody could walk into my office without a limb or or with something going wrong and I as an orthopedic surgeon would be able to help them walk out the door that they weren't able to walk in.
0: Are you telling me that you originally thought you were going to go and become a doctor?
1: I really did. That's and cool. And that movie was, like, ins- inspirational. Then I realized that you had to go to school for a really long time.
0: Really long time.
1: And and I just said, you know what? I can't endure this amount of
0: school. Was I good at it? I was good at school. I, you know what? I kind of related more with Tommy Lee Jones in that movie, I think. <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah, you, you're
1: more like Tommy Lee. I'm more like Harrison Ford. I, I I could totally see that, but I I totally agree with what he's saying. Is that I was thinking I have to endure school. So how long could I do it? It's like who can last the longest is who gets paid the most.
0: I like that. Well, there's other reasons why people go to college, right? It's to learn a skill, to get a certification. I. I was probably one of those that thought, okay, this is just the next step. And at some point in, you know, my five-year career in college, (laughs) because that first year, that was a wasted year, right? It it was ultimately to get a degree and get out of here, right? I want to get out of this place. Let me out of here kind of concept. And I think about there's a famous scene from the movie Say Anything. I know this is a little pre-your time. But John Cusack has a, a, an awesome scene in Say Anything. If you've ever watched that movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When he's sitting there and he's at his girlfriend's house and her family asks him what he's going to do. And he says, oh, what am I going to do for a career? He goes, well, I know this much. I don't want to buy anything, sell anything, or process anything that's been bought or sold. And he goes through this whole, whole ordeal. And he says, my dad is in the army. He's been trying to talk me into that, but I can't work for that corporation. <laughs> I'm really kind of looking into kickboxing. <laughs> exactly. right? So I think there's a lot of kids out there that have that mentality too, that they don't know what they want to do. And they've got this harebrained idea about what is possible. And in this section of Nelson Ash's book, he starts to break down, even from a college professor standpoint, is college a good idea? So, Joey, let's take that section. And then I want to move as we keep going forward as Nelson compares using infinite banking and the knowledge of banking as compared to the expense of going to college. So let's start, though, with my favorite university, Auburn. Yes, he he takes a quote from a Dr. Rotfeld, a professor in the Department of Marketing and Transportation, and Dr. Rotfeld had a lot to say about the college education. What were some of the highlights from that?
1: Well, I I just remember that he was pointing out some of the same things we've already mentioned: is that students are are not thinking; they're not being; they're brought into the business school to be trained, not to learn. And I remember that that to me was kind of a subtle thing in the book today that I was reading through that just kind of jumped out at me. and was like, wait a minute, there's some, some very deep
0: implications of those two words. Yeah. He says, many want credits, but don't want to learn. Hey, think about that when you're, you're going through, I, I'm going to take you back again. Let's just keep going back and applying it to, to, to Russ. <laughs> My favorite subject. I, I, Joey, had many different majors in college.
1: Shocking. That's shocking, by the way, the number of
0: ideas you have. Right. The number one objective at first was going to be a professional baseball player. And, you know, day 10 into college, and elbow was not going to uh, allow for that to happen, I started switching my mindset. My second career field was going to be horticulture. Can you imagine me in the horticulture field? I was going to, my goal was going to be a landscape architect. Mm. Didn't that sound nice? I just, just put that on a card. Just put that on the card. And then I realized I couldn't find a shovel or anything to do with dirt or outside that really fit me very well. Fit your hand. (laughs) (laughs) So I switched from that and and, and we were about a year and a half in, right? So switch from that and I'm going to be a real estate attorney now. Why a real estate attorney? That, that was
1: my first question. Well, Thank because for... my
0: one of my dad's best friend was a real estate attorney, lived in a nice house, hunted and fished all the time, and and seemed to enjoy what he did. And I thought, sounds like a plan. Let's just do that. Sign me up. So what do I need to do? Well, obviously, you need to get a degree and understand money. And so I was going to do accounting. I had taken an accounting course in high school, believe it or not, and I liked it. It was something that I felt, you know, debits and credits. Got it. Sounds good. and checkbook. I can do that. So I was like, all right, I'll get an accounting degree and then I'll finish and go to law school and, and specialize in real estate. Wow. Well, I'm going through, I'm crushing my basic accounting courses. Now I moved up into my major courses. I take intermediate accounting. Oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> that was no joke. Like income statements, balance sheets, the game got definitely harder. I got out of that baby with a sweet D minus, and I was stoked. <laughs> I was like, I am done. Solid. I am done. Accounting is not the option for me. So when when Dr. Rothfeld said, which is interesting because he would have been there about the same time I was there, I don't remember that name. Shocking. I I would have taken definitely some marketing courses that he might have taught, but I don't remember him at all. He said he just wanted credits. Well, here's why that conversation comes to mind to me is that I remember specifically going into the college counselor's office and said, okay, I'm three and a half years into this thing. I'm not going to do accounting, but I don't want to have to go backwards and lose all of these credits. What can I take these credits I have to get a degree. I was literally, it didn't matter what she said. You got these credits, apply here. And she was like, well, I mean, you could do finance. You, you pretty much have that nailed down. I was like, oh, I like finance. I was actually taking a few electives already in finance. That was something I was really interested in. And then I looked down and it said, you have to have the second intermediate accounting. I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. Yeah, no, I won't do that. And, and uh, she was, I was like, what's the other option? And she said, oh, well, you could do business management. And I was like, I looked down, no intermediate accounting. It's like, game on. Done. Now, I didn't want to be a manager of anything. You defaulted to that. That is all I wanted was the credits. Now, I took all my electives in finance. I loved it. I would have had a minor in finance if Auburn give, gave minors. They didn't do that. But I, I took all my electives in that, but I just literally got a degree. All I wanted was a credit. I was not listening in any one of those classes as it pertains to how to be a better manager. Because really, how could I have learned how to be a better manager without managing people? That's impossible. And this is what Raphael was saying, is that people are going to college to learn things that that they don't even understand how to think. Because fast forward just a little bit. It, Rodfield uh, quoted an IBM chief executive at the time where he said, business leaders don't and should not want business education to be vocationally oriented. It is not in the interest of business leaders to turn public schools into vocational schools. We can teach them how to read balance sheets, which I, need, I would have needed, needed help on that. <laughs> but what is killing us is having to teach them to read and compute and to communicate and to think. That is the part that is missing in college. College, at least for me, was who can memorize the, the answers that came from the stuff you were studying best and then could regurgitate those on the test were the ones who made the best grades. That's right. Can you relate to
1: that? I mean, that was literally like my major was memorization. If you think about it, I remember even from a young age, playing that game memory you ever play that game yeah where you you got the little cards they're all in front of you and you and somebody else are playing against each other and you flip over one you're like you find the either find the match you flip them both back over right i crushed people on the memory game now my wife would tell you he's lost all that like he can't remember what i told him five minutes ago but at the at an early age man i was all about memorization and so obviously through school, I could just memorize the things that were being taught to me and spit it back out and then almost immediately lose it all, right? So I I don't remember hardly anything from high school and college that I could actually apply. It was just information. And so I think what Nelson is talking about here, and it took me a long time to get to this point, Russ, is to actually think. And that's the part that I want to talk about as relates to infinite banking. Nelson was known for saying it's all about how you think and what we've been trained to do is just to be a part of a system which I want to bring it bring it one more quick point before we jump into actually some of the monetary issues here. But he's talking about the onslaught of how many people started going to college and why this whole idea of a college degree was became necessary and it was with the, the uh, beginning of the GI Bill. Mm. So FDR signed into a law, the GI Bill, when all the World War II vets were coming back, the servicemen were coming back. And they, it, this is the funny part, that it was a fear from the government that that many people coming into civilian life would wreck the economy, that there would be too many workers. Right. And so they said, well, what do we got to do? Well, we got to put them through school. And so literally... Uh, this was in 1944. By 1949, or excuse me, 47, 49% of college admissions were GI Bill. That tells you that government got involved and they started creating a quote unquote need. I'm doing air quotes it, for people to have a college degree. So that's where this thought process, that's why when I was coming up, my parents had not gone to college and they were like adamant Joey, you got to go to college. It was like, this is a must. And so it became my goal, even though I didn't even know what in the world I wanted to do.
0: Well, he we talked about this before in a, in a previous chapter in the book where he went through a concept called Parkinson's Law. When, when the demand for something grows to equal the supply or greater, right? That's right. And in this example, the government artificially created, which, by the way, I, I think is an awesome thing that, when our, the people who have served in our military come back, the government is helping them. I, I, I'm all for that. But that large group of people coming and now being handed college education where it wasn't commonplace for that to happen did create and perpetuated the thought process that college is a must. And he says in Parkinson's Law that a luxury once enjoyed becomes a Necessity. necessity. And so then now the government gets involved even further and continues to be involved in financing and giving free, not free loans, sometimes free loans, but giving loans to anyone who wants to go to college, which has done what to the cost of college?
1: Oh, it's gone dramatically higher. It's It's
0: exploded the price. Right now, I did. The, I was looking at the inflation rate in the United States over the last 30 years as reported by the government, which, by the way, these numbers are not perfect, but as reported by the government, it's 2.32% over the last 30 years. Do you know what the cost of college has risen at over the same time frame? I don't know. Maybe 7 8%. 8%. That's 250% more. That's absurd. It, And that is an example of when you create an artificial demand for something, then in order for them to meet that, in order to supply to meet that, they're going to have to raise the cost. And I think we're seeing that in in colleges, and hence the reason why I think they're not It isn't Nelson saying this. This is a professor at Auburn. This is IBM chief that at the time that is saying that we really need to be teaching people how to think. And it's not that certain people don't go to college and learn how to think, but a lot of people go to college very similar to you and I with an idea that we're going to do one thing or another, and it turns out completely different. Your degree was in communication. Now, you're sitting here on a podcast, so you could almost be like, I'm using that.
1: But well, it was so general, I figured I could get away with anything. I'm like, I know I got to communicate. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I have to communicate, so might as well learn it.
0: Most of the people, though, get a communication <laughs> degree to go into broadcast journalism or to, to in some area like that. Now, you end up doing that by you know god's providence in this giving us this podcast and audience to to share it with but you were in mortgage industry for 11 years that's right
1: yeah and you know for the longest time i'd be like well you know the hardest part about mortgage is just communicating so <laughs> i'm so glad i got a communications degree
0: right but <laughs> i'm sure that was exactly what you were thinking
1: yeah exactly
0: well okay so let's talk about the math though because nelson it, nelson is a huge advocate of learning that's if right. you if you flip to the back of nelson nash's book he, in uh, Becoming Your Own Banker, he actually has a recommended reading list for those who are interested in the stock market. He's got a recommended <laughs> reading list for those who are interested in history in economics. and economics, and it is hundreds of books long. And, it, and it, up until the day Nelson passed, he was always reading and referring and recommending new books to us as we met and vis- visited with him. So he is definitely not saying that learning is a bad thing but he's saying that we should learn for the purpose of understanding and application of that understanding. And as you said, in memory, I I was not perfect. I was nowhere near as good as you are in memory, but anything that I would memorize, I would retain for about six to 12 hours. Hence the reason I'd always study right before the test. That's right. But you asked me the same questions that I may have made an 80 or 90 on and Later on in my college uh, career, because early on I was not doing that because I was not putting those hours in right before the test, but I would not be able to answer 20% of those correctly because that information would just come and go because it was useless. I didn't know how to apply it, didn't, didn't didn't affect my life in any way. That's right. But when you when you learn something for the purpose of understanding and can apply it, it sticks. So he starts saying, "Okay, let's look at the expense of college." So he gives an example to start off with with a guy who's going to go to college. He's saying, "I'm going to use a twenty thousand dollar a year cost, which in today's environment it's still you know not perfect, right? If you're just going." Cost of college, maybe twenty thousand. Now, if you add room and board and everything else, that number's double that. Yeah, twenty thousand. He says, let's just look at that over four years. Well, we already know he's uh, he's being way conservative in that because the average person stays in school at least five years, right? The percentage of people who go to school for four years and are out are extremely small. So he he wants to give an example and compare. What if someone goes to college for four years, pays twenty thousand dollars a year? plus their living expense and everything else. They go out and get a job. Then they have to learn how to make money. Then they have to learn how to save some of it, yada, yada, yada. The second part, he compares it to, and he uses someone who takes that $20,000, puts it in a life insurance policy for four years. They go get an education in working. They come out four years later, probably making very similar money as the person who went to school. But then he wants to compare what is that money worth? what could they do with just that four years of time put into an insurance policy? Walk us through that example, Joy.
1: Yeah, so if you're thinking about it, he's put in a total of 80,000 over four years, 20,000 per year. And at the end of that time, he, he gives two examples. One, where the student at that point doesn't use the money for anything. It's just, if you will, an accumulation vehicle. And he says by age 70, they would have 24 million two two million four hundred fifty seven thousand three hundred three dollars okay at that point he could withdraw a hundred and forty five thousand dollars per year for retirement purposes and could be sustained indefinitely so he's not talking about like the money would ever run out but he says let's just assume that the person lived until age 85 at that point he will have withdrawn 2.1 million dollars almost 2 point2 2, and the death benefit would still be $3.2 million. All
0: right, so let's stop and recap just in case you missed those numbers. So he put in $20,000 a year for four years.
1: $80,000 is his basis. That's and, how much he's total. And in this
0: example, Nelson was showing how the, the dividends, which you're learning through some of our inner circle meetings, that those dividends can be used in many different ways. So he was showing how to use the dividends to help pay the premium from that point forward. So no outlay from the, the client would need to be made. And if then he used that insurance policy and he gave an example of just financing his personal automobile in a second example could be used to enhance that. So he wants to talk about infinite banking. He wants to talk about the use of money because in your example, Joey, the guy put in $80,000, didn't touch it until he was age 70. By the way, by the way, he, Age seventy—that's different than what most people use. Nelson hits on that. What did he say?
1: Yeah, he said uh, let, let's let's just get away with the assumption of this age sixty-five for retirement. It is just not going to work in the future. So he's you know retirement at age sixty-five is just a bad idea. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we are able to use that concept to create over fifty thousand dollars a month in passive income but it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect
0: into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before, go to what's what forward slash P-I-O-S there was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher's saying "Pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be find out how close you are by taking our 32nd quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com
1: forward slash quiz.
0: Well, and by the way, you and I say retirement as a whole is a bad idea. That's right. And, and, and waiting to get to age 70 before we think we can start enjoying money is a bad idea. Right. So this, even for us, we would look at this as obviously if we did this and we created this cash flow, we would want to start using that money early on, not just letting it accumulate. But Nelson's given like the most basic example so that people can wrap their brains around what would happen. So at age 65, just from this 80000 he put in and then he allowed the insurance policy to take care of the rest. Now, remember, this is 20 years ago. Interest rates a little bit higher than they are today. Kind of disclosure there but the person would take out $145,000 a year for 16 years from age 70 to 85 and still have $3 million plus to pass down to the next generation that'd be good in uh, in of itself in addition to what he could potentially save with through the jobs and other stuff he was creating
1: right we're not even we're not even showing the effects of him understanding what he has and then using any excess or surplus throughout those years of saving. He could have been enhancing this even more.
0: What do we know about compounding interest?
1: Start early, start often.
0: Start early, right? The earlier it is, the longer that curve has to grow. Right. So he explained that in those first four years. The cost of college is expensive. It delays a lot of times when someone starts saving because when they get out of college, now they want to get all those things that they've maybe done without, right? Because they were not working in college. They don't have the extra money to start saving right away. They, but they, the college tuition bill comes in if they, if they've delayed that part. But in this example, we're going to say they paid the 20,000. So people delay, delay. So now they're six years, eight years out from high school before they ever start saving. Yeah. We got to start
1: early. And this shows the power of that for sure.
0: All right. So in the next example, Joey, he says, what if the person used, the cash that was available at the end of the fourth year, which was a little over uh, 70 thousand dollars, and bought a car with it, a $21,450 car, and then made payments back to himself for $6,500 a year for that four years to replenish it, using that extra interest to go in and create capital inside the insurance policy, how would that enhance the scenario?
1: Yeah, so just to be clear, what we've gone, done here is we've gone from an accumulation strategy, just putting away money and then just allowing it to grow to now understanding the banking process. So he's now borrowing from the, or he's actually just taking the money from the policy at this point, And he is repaying the premiums with 6,500. It's $541 a month. And subsequently he's increased at age 70, instead of $145,000 for retirement needs, he's now increased it to 150,000 per year and his death benefit has increased to 3.8 million at age 85. Again, assuming and knowing that the the retirement income would have lasted him forever, at, at that point he's just showing that he's increased both the retirement income and the death benefit by employing just purchasing his own vehicle through this.
0: So here's one of the challenges that Nelson is challenging the status quo and say, if we're going to talk about the monetary value of college, do we believe? that the monetary value of college is going to be worth this $2 million of income that he could have had had he just stuck the money in the insurance policy, plus the $3.2 million in death benefit. Now, if during that four-year period of time that he was putting the money in the insurance policy, going to work, and someone was mentoring him on uh, on the understanding of infinite banking and the value of money, and he said, you know what? Instead of borrowing money from banks to buy my cars, if I just use my insurance cash values that I have, just the way the banks and large corporations do, and I finance that, I can enhance my retirement income by $5,000 a year and leave an extra $600,000 to the next generation. He's like, aha. So here's one comparison. Now he goes, let's go one step further. Let's take the person, maybe similar to my wife, who says, you know, four years of school is not going to be good enough. I want to go to I do want to take that next step. I do you're want to go to medical, medical school. school. I do want to go to dental school, right? And when you're when you're thinking like that, a lot of times you don't choose Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you say if I really want to get into that 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 next school, I need to go to Baylor. I need to go to Vanderbilt. I need to go to one of these higher uh, level institution so that way I have a higher acceptance rate into the medical school that I want to go to. So instead of $20,000 a year for the first four years, it's going to be $35,000 a year. Now, Nelson said, well, then if they're going to go to medical school, is it going to be another four years at $35,000? And I would say, no, you underestimate it. <laughs> Grossly. <laughs> I've looked at my wife's medical student loan bill. It is sickening, Joey. We have paid almost $150,000 on those, and we still have over $100,000 to pay. Mm. So it is is an expense, a major expense. But Nelson says $35,000 a year for eight years, and he wants to compare how one goes to medical school, right, goes to college and then medical school and comes out, and the other instead puts that $35,000 into an insurance policy for eight years. does banking let's talk through that example
1: okay so basically by doing that what he's done is he's he's compared that and said at that point this girl he calls her Susie q by the way Susie q Um, she's gonna have my favorite ccr (laughs) so that's right and by if she just did the same thing and she just bought a luxury vehicle he he uh, forgive me i think it's thirty five thousand. is that what he used for the vehicle $37,500.
0: 37500
1: My bad. 37500 And he uses, she uses that, excuse me, at year nine to start buying uh, vehicles every four years. It's going to turn into a $550,000 in retirement income at age 70. And it won't run out. And she'll still have at age 85, 18 million plus to pass on.
0: Okay, so let's that's go. That's pretty. That's absurd. Go, go through that again. So same exact insurance policy he was running at this time. We know today's interest rates a little bit lower, so numbers would be a little bit lower. Eight years, they put in thirty-five thousand dollars in the account. So think of twins. One goes to Vanderbilt, thirty-five thousand undergrad, thirty-five thousand medical school. The other one goes to work in any shape or form, whatever that is, and they put. But the parents put the same thirty-five thousand dollars into an insurance policy for Suzy Q at the end of the eight years, Suzy Q decides just to finance her automobiles, nicer automobiles, right? She, she's got to stay up with, with the siblings because they're both going to be buying luxury cars. So the car costs almost twice what the John Q's example did. Mm -hmm. So then in this example, because of financing nicer cars, because of putting more money in higher amounts for longer, which we've covered that in our inner circle as well. Compounding. Yep. At, At quote unquote retirement age, they're taking out $550,000 in income just from that alone. So he says, do you feel like that the monetary value of the college education for the sibling of Susie Q would equal the additional $550,000 a year in income at retirement plus the 18 million that they could leave? Not a chance. I, I, I don't know if it would or not, but it's is highly unlikely when we see the average medical professional who is living the life of, life of luxury, living a really enjoyable life, but in a situation where, again, the, the demand for the money grows to equal the supply of it. And the amount of money left over just because they're making more money doesn't mean they're saving anymore. So it, there there's very few doctors that are retiring with retirement incomes of $550,000 a year in a this is baseline because by the way Susie Q regardless what she did with her money she would have to have a job somewhere right if she saved the same percentage of that that would go on top of the 550 right so that is a comparison the person who went to college yes they, as a physician they could make more money than what she probably could but they would have to save so much more and in a shorter window of time. That's right. So you would almost look at this example as Nelson is, is trying to convince people not to go to college. What would you say to that?
1: Well, I, I think what he's really talking about here, and and I want to use his example as kind of a transition into this, is the importance of thinking versus being taught or trained on something and he, so he gives this example using that Susie Q okay he says what if at the time that she at 8 or 9 years in she's accumulated $339,000 this is the one that was putting in 35,000 right. a year over 8 years so at 8 at the ninth excuse me the eighth year she has 339,000 he says what if she were to buy eight luxury cars with that money and go up to the medical school with, where all the all the professors are driving these luxury cars and lease those eight cars to those those professors, he said, "Man, in eight months she could add another car to the fleet. In seven months another car to the fleet. In six months another car to the fleet, just by running." Over that money, having that money come back in and then be able to purchase another. So what he's showing here is not necessarily that, hey, everybody should go into the leasing business instead of medical school. But what he is saying is, what if we could think differently about banking? The value of understanding banking and implementing banking will take you to the infinite side of this process. And this, this is the part that's become more and more clear to me over the last 10 years, Russ, is what may have started out as a, a great idea better than my savings account, right? A policy is a better place to save money, has become a, a reservoir of thinking, a place to say, wow, what could I do with this money? I have to tell it something to do. So, what could I possibly do as an
0: alternative? And I think that's what he's talking about here.
1: Right,
0: let's finish this up because I think part of what you may be listening to and you're being challenged if you have, you know, school-age children like Joey and I, well, Russ and Joey, are you guys saying that I shouldn't be encouraging my kids to go to college? And I'm not saying that, but what I am challenged by this is to say what is the alternative not you know that in my eyes when I was in high school the alternative to not going to college was going to the job site and helping my dad build a house and painting or roofing or working in the in the yard none of those things i wanted to do because the people who worked for him they didn't go to college so i felt like that was my alternative right so, but that is not the situation which we're talking about. We're talking about parents of means who are, you know, have a value in their their kids' learning and future, thinking, what else could I do? So, Joey, let's think through both Susie Q and John Q in this example. If the, the four-year example, what could that John Q do for four years? Well, this is
1: going to further heighten what we're talking about is the value of learning over the value of even just being told something. Okay. So in this case, what if John Q, this four year student went and found a mentor of somebody who has been there and done that somebody who has proven results and they're currently doing whatever it
0: is that he may be interested in. Give an example. Okay. Could could that person come and work in in an office like ours? Absolutely. What, what could they learn in our office over four years?
1: Well I, I think that even over the last several years we've had um, people come and work with us interns over the summer and I would say that their eyes are opened to the fact that they don't have to do certain things that they may have well, always understood.
0: Well think about think about our interns. what did they learn? They learned marketing. What, what did they learn? They learned processes and system. what did they learn? They learned technology. They they learn how to use podcasts, how to promote things to YouTube, how to build spreadsheets. That's right. All those are skills, and all
1: those are things that are opening people's eyes to man. There's so much more that could be. I mean, think about when you and I. I don't know if you had the same idea I did, but when I went to college, it dawned on me. I was like, "How am I supposed to know what I need to major in? I literally don't know. I have not had any really exposure." things outside of what my parents do and maybe a close group of friends, what their parents do. And I don't know granularly, I just know it very generally. So what what am I supposed to sign up for?
0: Well, think about that. I think one of the beauties of interns are they get to go and be in an environment that they think that they want to work in. And if I would have went and worked as an apprentice or an intern in a, Landscape architecture, architecture firm, either I would have confirmed, yes, this is what I want to do, or I would have quickly said, no, this, this is not what I want to do. If I would have done the same with a real estate attorney, I didn't do any of those things. I was making decisions on what I thought I would like to do without any understanding. But what you and I know, if you have hands on experience, and I've talked to many companies, especially these programmer co- uh, IT companies, they won't even hire. College degrees with people coming out with these MIS degrees, these information science degrees, they don't even want them because the information that they're being taught in the colleges are yearly, are are, are years outdated. Right. They literally want to teach someone on the spot because it's changing so rapidly anyway. Well, think about that. How likely are we to hire somebody that's coming out of college with a Financial planning degree. Not a chance. It, that is not the kind the of
1: unlearning that would have to take place is unbelievable.
0: Well, so what we, what Nelson is trying to show in this example is what if, and he really didn't break this out, but you and I are just kind of hypothecating, if you will, <laughs> about what that looked like is what could that person do for four years? What could they do for eight years? I mean, you and I have seen examples within creative financing, within the land flipping, within the short term rental business. What if someone, went, and found a mentor and said, look, I, I'm free labor. I'm just, all, all I'll ask is that you take me along and you teach me as I go and I will help you. And they, they wouldn't have to do it for four years or eight years, but imagine if they did. Oh my gosh. The education that they would have, the number of deals that they would have helped make happen over that period of time, they would be, the, the education would be worth fortunes. And then at the end of that four years or eight years, they've got that amount of capital and cash sitting there for them to now go deploy it in the area of expertise that they had. Like, if you don't believe that person could outpace the average college degree and even most uh, physicians coming out of college.
1: You don't understand
0: it. You don't understand because you and I see the balance sheets. We see the income statements of those people who are making Six figures, seven figures, eight figures in those type of environments. Yeah. It, it, here's the bottom line.
1: If you're a parent and you're listening to this and you're kind of overwhelmed by what we're talking about, I'm sorry. The main the main thing I want you to take away is this. We talk about on the show not to abdicate the responsibility of your finances to somebody else. Nobody is going to take care of your money the way that you will, as long as you're equipped to do it. In this case, what we're saying is don't abdicate education to an institution. An institution is not the answer. Education takes the the forms of books. It takes the forms of mentors. It takes the forms of networking. It takes the form of all those things that are at your disposal. Don't miss those things for the big box, the institution that you are putting your hope in your kids being educated in, that is not the answer. And and I'm hopeful that from this you can see that man, college may be the right choice. We're not telling you not to. But we are saying, what if you could in, you could bring your kids to understand a much broader, much bigger picture of what they could be doing?
0: And introduce them to those experts. It just, I think it's all about challenge, right? Challenge the belief systems that you have. And if if you can hold up to the pressure of those challenging, then yes. If not, maybe we need to insert and remove the old and insert new. All right, Joey, we wrap this up. The last chapter in this book that we're going to cover comes up next is what if I'm uninsurable? This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast.